Hey, my name is Andrew Ladd, two-time Stanley Cup champion, and I'm here to inspire you to go bigger with your dreams so you can go bigger with your profits. Welcome to the Go Big to Get Big podcast, where we are challenging six-figure earners to become seven-figure givers. My name is Randy Mullen, and each week, my co-host Steve Arneson and I are interviewing successful entrepreneurs, professional athletes, philanthropists, and other high-performing humans that are inspiring us with their stories. We go deep into uncovering how they have become successful and why generosity is an impact they want to leave on this world. Our mission is to have you leave this podcast wanting to go bigger with your dreams and goals so that you can give bigger with your profits. Let's not waste any more time and jump right into it. Welcome back to another episode of the Go Big to Get Big podcast. And today we have the legendary two-time Stanley Cup champion, Andrew Ladd. Andrew is well known in the NHL for not only his hockey skills, but also for his leadership skills and his willingness to give back. He won the Marc Messier Leadership Award. He was a spokesperson for the Dream Factory when he was in Winnipeg. He created the Lads Leaders when he was playing with the Islanders and is now in the process of growing his own personal charity, the Lad Foundation. This was such a fun episode for Steve and I, as we always love making the connections of sports, business, and giving back. And Andrew was able to tie all of that together for us. We spoke on what it was like from going being cut from your junior teams to winning two Stanley Cups and also what it took to be a leader in the dressing room and continue to show those efforts off the ice. We also got into this new charity that they're creating called 1616, where he is helping youth sports build long-term mindsets through an online training platform. Hearing Andrew's work ethics and passions for giving back is something you will see as a consistent theme throughout the entire episode, and I hope you enjoy listening to the Stanley Cup champion, Andrew Ladd. I'm excited to welcome a member of the 1000 NHL Games Plague Club and two-time Stanley Cup champion, Andrew Ladd, to the show. Thanks so much for coming on, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Looking forward to, to chatting with you guys. Yeah, we're really excited about this one. Steve and I have been huge components of Kids Sport Victoria and sports our entire lives. And I think it's going to tie in nicely to where the conversation is going to go in this episode. But I would love to just start with a little bit of some of the mindset you went through. And as you were coming up through the junior ranks, I've heard you share a few times that you were cut by quite a few teams and had to go through some adversity early on. But then you were really able to scale that quickly and end up going in the first overall drafted And along the way, you just had to make a flip of a script there to be able to climb the ranks so fast and get noticed so quickly. What kind of mindset shift did you have to make at such a young age to be able to do that? Well, I think like you pointed to, at a young age, I had some disappointment from being cut and not making teams. Within those moments, I had to support around me with my parents, I think helped put that stuff into perspective in those moments of like, hey, that's happened already. Like, what's your next step? What can you control here? And that was kind of my gift moving forward from there was I had the ability to just forget about those disappointments or shift that mindset really quickly to, okay, what can I do now to ensure that the next time I have that opportunity, I'm more prepared. So through that, and I had lots of chances to learn that because I, like you said, I was cut in Bantam. I played Bantam B. I was cut from the Vancouver Giants twice as a 16-year-old and 17-year-old. So through all those moments, I got a little better and a little better at dealing with 
that disappointment at dealing with playing for a team that I maybe at the time perceived I didn't want to play with. So really it was a learning experience every single time. And then by the time I, I got to Calgary, when I tried out as a 18 year old, um, my mindset was like, I have nothing to lose. So like, Hey, I'll just throw everything out there, throw everything at it because I've been here before. And, and I know I can deal with if I do get cut and I'll have other options and I'll just keep grinding and keep pushing towards where I want to go. So that was kind of my mindset and my gift that really set me up through my NHL career of like, you know, starting off as a fourth line guy and then working my way to a third line guy and then eventually being a first line guy who's on the power play and playing every different aspect of the game. It really set up the mindset of like, okay, how do I approach this from a standpoint of if I don't have anything to lose, I, I'm going to give everything I have and just see where the chips fall. I love that. And Steve might tie that a bit into business and in some of the questions that are coming down here. But the last thing I want to ask you quickly before I pass it off to Steve for a question was just as you came in through that skill set, then you learned how to get that mindset. Is that where a lot of your leadership was created? I know you obviously had a good stint as a captain with the Winnipeg Jets and you've won a ton of awards for leadership. Did that adversity help you create leadership? Is that something that you've always been natural in or something that allowed you to continue to climb the ranks? Was your leadership skills? I would say like certain leadership skills come naturally to me. So like my ability to maybe set a good example, my work ethic, my focus, like those were always things that came naturally to me. I always wanted to be kind of the first in line, the first to go, first to jump over the boards at the end of a game to, to have a chance to, to be a part of making a difference. So I would say like, those are the things that, that came naturally to me. But like, as I've gotten older, it's like, okay, I see I had some shortcomings as well. And it's become, okay, okay, how can I fill those gaps and keep building on those skill sets that I don't have, whether that's making sure that I'm communicating or connecting with people on a better level. Things like that where maybe at times you're emotional or you're forgetting and that within those moments, okay to be human and interact in that way. We get so focused on the goal and selfishly sometimes what's good for us that as I've gotten older, I've learned to think about others in those moments uh, as humans, uh, as people trying to do what they think is best at their time. And we won't always agree, but communicating that and working towards that end goal is a much, much better way to, to lead. So what I'm hearing there is a little bit of, yes, there's some natural gifts, but there's also a fair bit of practice that you have to put into that implementation from a team perspective, whether that's behind a bench or behind a border. For sure. And that's life, right? I think that's nonstop what your life is all about is, hey, how do you keep growing within, especially those tough moments as a person, when you're looking at those moments as opportunities to grow and to learn, I think that always just sets you up for the next time to maybe have any moment than maybe the one you're in right now. I want to ask you about a particular 10 year period within your career. Like you can take a slice of it from, from juniors through the Jets or Chicago maybe. And that 10 year period, maybe at the time felt like forever looking back on it, it might feel like a, uh, an instance, but so much can happen within that 10 year time frame. You can be cut a couple different times from the WHL. And then all of a sudden you break a couple of eyes and you've got two Stanley Cup rings in your hands. Going through all of that journey of the ups and the downs, what did you learn about yourself and how did you keep that persistence and dedication and like main goal in mind? I would say I always wanted more. So whenever I was able to accomplish something, then it was like, okay, like I set a goal for what was next. That was through ultimately when I was younger, my goal was like, 
to just play junior hockey. And then I played junior hockey and then I was like, okay, I want to play in the WHL. And then I got to WHL and I was like, I want to be on the world junior team. And then the next step was the NHL, playing in the NHL. And then you're in the NHL. It's like, okay, I want to be a, be a continuous player, an everyday player. And then it's okay. I want a bigger role. And just you're constantly, I was constantly pushing the envelope to like, okay, what's next? What's next? Without really getting too far ahead of myself. I always found like if I was thinking about a goal way far in the distance, I was forgetting out about the steps it would take to get there. And I think it's okay to have that initial, okay, where, what am I looking at? Like long-term, but also then it's okay. Now you got to dial it back to what are the actual steps to get where I want to go? Because it's so much easier to focus on just that next step, knock it off the list, then on to the next one. I heard you say this on another podcast and I know you're talking about your, your career, but it, it connects to business as well. And if you're not aware, like our podcast is specifically about helping six-figure earners become seven-figure givers. We're talking about like established businesses that we're trying to elevate to a new level and encourage them to obviously get back. But you said earlier, early in your career, you have much uh, or very little room for error, no margin for error. And then as you become more successful and you get a little bit more experience under your belt, you have more opportunity to take bigger risks. How do you walk that line through that journey of managing risk versus margin for error versus reward? Well, my answer is different now probably than it would have been 15 years ago. And I think that's part of the journey through life is now I look back and it's okay. I wish I would have had a mindset where I wasn't as anxious about doing every little thing perfect when I was on the ice, because I think that actually held me back a little bit, but it's also okay. That's a part of the journey to get to where you are today. So I think, yeah, man, I, sometimes just grounding yourself in what you want is such a powerful way to start from, because then you can get clear on, okay, what is the best avenue forward? Like, what is the best mindset for me to actually play well? Is it being anxious about every little mistake or is it me being free and playing loose? And sometimes it's a little bit of both, but like when I start from the standpoint of how do I want to show up and what do I want to accomplish here? It allows me to really dial in like how I want to show up to those situations, if that makes sense. That's awesome. And so true in so many ways of just how you have to calculate your life and when you can take risks and when you can't. And we can relate a lot of that back to business. And I'm sure you've made some of those decisions. So I'd love to dive a little bit into the business side now. Did you ever have a moment where you're like, oh, I want to be a, a entrepreneur, a business owner. I want to get into that kind of space. Imagine you're just all in on hockey, but was there a turning point in your life where you're like, hey, what's life after hockey, business, something along those lines? Yeah, it's, I'm at an interesting moment right now where I get to do that again right? I'm literally transitioning into what is the next chapter of my life, which is a daunting thing to think about and also like exciting. So I think I've always thought of myself as like someone who had ideas, who wanted to build things and be a part of building special, special things. I don't know if I've truly given myself the time to think about that until now. Like you said, I was super focused on what could I accomplish in the hockey world and training and how to keep building on different aspects of my career from that standpoint. So yeah, that's what I get to do now. Like, what do I want to build? And again, it's okay. Like now I get to start with what's the vision, what actually is going to inspire me? Because I think the one thing that I learned from like my career in the NHL is like the inspiration of loving hockey and enjoying doing that every day allowed me to ride the waves and the different challenges that came my way. The last thing I want to talk on 
quickly here for business side of things from my perspective is you hit 920 career games and you hit a lot of injuries and a, a, goal, a goal for all NHL players is to hit that thousand game mark. Yeah. Did, was there a moment where you were battling trying to decide on starting the lad foundation, starting the business world when you're at 920 games? It's easier for me just to pull out now and go start somewhere else versus having to play those last 80 games to get to the thousand game mark. Was there a moment where you just about pulled out, but then was it the goal driven that pushed you to get to that thousand? Was it an accomplishment? And are you going to do the same thing when you get into business now where it's like, Hey, I'm going to hit X thing and nothing's stopping me until I get there. So, yeah, I think the short answer is no, like I never waver. Like I was getting there no matter what. And not now that doesn't mean my brain wasn't playing tricks on me throughout that process of how this sucks. And it would be easy to like, just shut it down and change what I'm doing. But then again, it's what are you grounding yourself in? Why are you doing what you're doing? I had an opportunity to be a really good role model to my kids during that time. Okay. This is something that I'm struggling through. So it was a moment where I could show them like, Hey, this is how your dad shows up when shit is not going well. And I, I feel like that's when we, that's when we find out what we're all about. And those are the moments where you can show people what you're all about. So I had that mindset first and foremost. But yeah, like I had, there was definitely moments where I needed a, a push from my wife or other family members, friends that like, Hey, no, like you're, you just stick with it. Cause when you get to that moment of playing your thousandth game, it'll be all worth it. And I was able to have that moment last year with all my family and friends and, and yeah, man, it was worth it. Like I, I felt every part of that and was proud of that moment because of all the, the crap that I went through to, to get those 80 games, even if it did take me four years. It's awesome, dude. And I can imagine that there's a really high level of energy from your teammates as well. I guess cheering you on or being like some of your big kind of cheerleaders behind the scenes on getting to that point. Because one of the biggest things that I got from sports at an early age was just that kind of lift you up when you're down mentality. Yeah. Were there things along your earlier career, and maybe actually, let me rephrase that, in a championship year versus a go for first overall type of year. Yeah. What are some of those changes in, in terms of camaraderie that happened behind the scenes in, in a locker room? And I'm specifically asking towards maybe a parent with a kid who's jumping into sports. Yeah. Well, at a young age, I think sports is just a great way to, for kids to have the opportunity to learn and make mistakes and learn about all these life lessons that we can get from working with people and making mistakes and having challenges in not a really serious way, right? In terms of feeling, getting the journey along the way, I think it's the people that are with you in those moments where things aren't going well, they know, and you can tie us back to business too, right? Like you, if even every part of your business, you have a moment where you're like, is this going to work? Why am I doing this? All, all those different things you're like, is this going to work out? This isn't going to work out. You're having that battle in between your ears. And then once you get through that and you have, you're able to have success and have a moment, then it's, oh, like the moments you remember are those times where things were not going good. And you're like, man, I'm so happy that I pushed through that. So to be able to create that moment for a kid where he's struggling in sport and he's able to like figure it out, figure out that challenge and then have success after that's a feeling that you don't forget. And that's the value that I think sports can create for a kid, especially kids that, that that's their outlet. 
and the impact on their life, like that skill set of being able to rebound and face adversity and be okay with that challenge in the moment and that support, whether they're supporting the next person or they're getting supported, that just opens up so many doors for character building throughout the rest of their life. Exactly. Like, how do they relate to that challenge? Because if we let them run away from it, you're creating a habit that's going to last a lifetime. And I know through the course of my journey, at the end of, at the end of my career, I, I worked with a mental performance coach and just going through a lot of the habits that I'd built up since I was young that I'd tra- trace back to. Wow, I started that when I was young, as a young kid. It was like mind-blowing to me. And I really was a force for what we've started with our foundation. It's a perfect segue. I'd love to start moving into the transition here of talking a little bit about your foundation and what you've done. And you've obviously been named as a leader and a captain through your teams. You've won the Marc Messier Award. You've won a bunch of different things. And along the way, you even, you know, every organization you stepped into, it seemed like there was some sort of charity aspect that was involved with you, whether you're the spokesperson for the, the Dream Factory in Winnipeg, you had lads leaders in the Islanders, you're doing some stuff in Arizona now. So everywhere you go, you have some sort of impact in where you go. What impact do you want to leave now with 1616 and the Lad Foundation? Yeah, so it's really grown. And my wife and I, she's a big part of what we do together. But we're, during the course of my career, I think it was, okay, how can we support other organizations in different parts of the communities that we were involved in? And then towards the end of my career, it became, okay, can we build something and make something our own that is going to have the impact that, that we want to have? So. It's like perfect storm where I was struggling in New York when I was there. I had one year where I played majority of the year in the minors. And this is where I was introduced to my mental skills coach because I just wasn't mentally wasn't a great place. And I had a skill of really just internalizing and putting my head down and outworking people. Like that was what I was good at growing up all the way till through to the end of my career. And that worked great until it didn't work anymore. So, and then when it wasn't working anymore, I, didn't know how to proceed, which is such a weird feeling, but I'm sure everybody's gone through it at some point in their life and you need to lean on other people within those moments. So my wife was like, Hey, like you need to talk to someone. So I reached out to this mental performance coach and really started just working on myself and like the different things that I need to get better at different skills that I thought I had, but quickly learned that I had a lot of growth to do in those areas. And it was really like within that moment that I was like, my wife and I had always wanted to make an impact with mental health and being with that mental skills coach for still till today, but it really changed the thought process of, Hey, I need to go to the gym for my brain. And it was the light, bulb. I had a light bulb moment where, Hey, can we do this for young kids? Can we start to bring these skills to young kids so that they have these tools and they have these, this understanding of these different concepts that we want them to understand at a younger age so that they don't have that moment I had when I was 35. They're, maybe we can give them small doses of that when they're 10, 11, 12, so that they can start to practice that and build those skills so that when they do get to tough moments that are inevitably, inevitably going to come their way, they have a support system. They have some skills in their repertoire to understand what they're going through and reach out for help or even navigate them a little bit on their own. So that was, I guess, my light bulb moment. And then from that standpoint, or from that point on, it was like, okay, how do we build this? A, well, A, is there anything out there that's doing it? 
And then when we found out there wasn't, be okay, how do, how do we build this? And it was really gave me purpose in those times where I was playing in the minors and where I wasn't playing. And, and when I was in New York, it gave me that purpose of, okay, I can fulfill that part of my life and feel like I'm, I, I'm making an impact somewhere. What are a couple of examples you can give us that you've learned from this mindset or mental performance coach that you're now incorporating into 1616 and want to give back to the youth of today and future generations? Yeah, I think like one that comes to mind for me is I was always hard on myself. So I would, I would kick my own ass all the time. Okay, hey, no, you got to do better. You got to do better. And I think like just the ability to like understand that you're going to have days where things aren't going well. And then there's always another opportunity the next day. So that, that reset model, that was something that I had to work on building connections. I think like for me, again, I internalize a lot of things. So I keep, I would keep it inside and you would talk to my wife and she'd tell you like, when I'm like staring off into space, I'm like going through stuff in my head. So learning that, Hey, like, it's good to get that stuff out, talk to whoever and really just articulate it and how much that helps just take the weight off you having tough conversations. So like as a coach, or you think your coach is thinking something about you. So one simple conversation could change that, how you feel about it, right? Like you think your coach is thinking something. Once you have a conversation with your coach, maybe he's thinking something completely different. So we make up these own narratives on our head that this is what these people are thinking. And you're so sure that's what they're thinking, but we don't give them the opportunity to actually let us know what they're thinking. So little things like that, and that's obviously advanced, but like we're dumbing it down to a 10 year old, 11 year old, 12 year old level for those little things, but getting them to start to push into some things that make them uncomfortable at that age so that they can get better at them. They're going to the gym for those things is the analogy that I, I like to use because it's, those are things that you need to work on that Again, in life, those will serve you so well down the road, especially in business. Like preparing and being able to be open to have tough conversations, whether it's with yourself, teammates, coaches, partners, whatever that may be, as well as like skills in conflict resolution, just so impactful through any kind of career. And something else I've heard you, you talk about is the Buffalo mindset. Yeah. When I heard this, it totally blew my mind that it was actually a thing. And can you share the story of where that came from, what the heck the Buffalo mindset is, and I guess perhaps the value of what you see it as? Yeah. So it speaks a little bit to my earlier point, but we were trying to figure out what to call our program and we can get into what the program is in a bit, but it was, we came across, or actually the company that we were working with, the branding company was like, Hey, like we came across that in 1616, they coined the term Buffalo. And they coined the term buffalo because they were the only animal that when a storm hit, they wouldn't run away from the storm. They would band together and push right through it. So they would get through the storm quicker and they'd be stronger because of it. Whereas the other animals would run away from the storm and they'd actually end up in the storm for a longer period of time. So when we heard that, we we're like, man, like that, that really hits home in terms of the mindset we want kids to have. You know, when things get uncomfortable, it's better to face them head on because you'll get through them quicker and you'll be stronger on the other side of them. So it seemed to, to really just fit. It's in the, what we call the Buffalo mindset and in what we're trying to instill in kids through sport. 
That's so cool. I love that. And so when I heard the story too, I was like, that is genius. That's such a simple concept and so powerful in the way it's delivered. And I know we'll touch on 1616 in a sec here and where the second part comes from with you and branding your numbers and everything like that. But what I was just curious about was I know inside 1616, now you're working with other athletes on this. So it's not just you delivering content to hockey players. You're trying to make this more of a global movement where you can actually take this and use it into other sports and just youth in general. Can you talk about the big vision that you have now with 1616 and where you plan on taking it and who you're planning on including along the way? Yeah. The vision is to make this really a blueprint for all sports so that we can have a basketball player champion the basketball part of the program, a soccer player champion the soccer program, football, every sport really with the idea that every professional player has a story. And I think a lot of times kids look at some successful professional athletes and they think that everything was easy, everything went right, and they didn't have to deal with the stuff that they've had to deal with and those different types of, of things. So we're trying to really humanize the athlete and use their stories to teach these concepts to 11, 10, 12 year old kids and give them the digital mentor, if you will, that, hey, like this happened to me too, right? Like I get nervous before I go play games or I made these mistakes constantly and they actually ended up being the best thing for me. So yeah, it's really about inviting successful people into this program and having them be vulnerable about a lot of the struggles that they had so that kids who are going through the same thing right now, it gives them hope. It gives them people to look up to and it gives them a way forward. One of the things you talk to a lot of people on this podcast about is it's not necessarily the biggest check they write that has the biggest impact on them. It's getting involved with charities that they're close to or places they can tie things to. When you were creating this and you started reaching out to some other hockey players and people in the industry that are going to be coming onto this, is it an easy sell for them to come in and knowing that it's easy for them just to write a check or endorse a charity or something like that, but you're actually asking them to step up, share some stories. Are people excited to be a part of something like this versus just writing checks? Yeah, I think so. I haven't had, obviously we've gotten some no's, but for the most part, everyone has, especially when we tell them it's for 10 to 12 year old kids, they've been excited about helping us out. And I think they've actually been more vulnerable, which is, which has been cool, right? They are talking about things that they don't normally talk about because they know that it's, and I find it easier too, but it's easier for me to talk to a 10 year old kid than it is an adult sometimes, right? It's easy to like pare it down and be like, Hey, like this is, you're able to get more vulnerable with your kids or other kids because you don't feel like you're, maybe you're getting judged for it. We have that problem sometimes as adults, but it was cool to see like part of our process is an hour Zoom call, just digging into their, the player's story to see if we can, what's the biggest impactful part of their story that we can pull out to, to help kids. And we had so many cool moments within those Zooms, which I, I think surprised me a little bit just in terms of how giving those people were with just their stories. I really think that I'm a strong believer that vulnerability is actually a power tool versus a defect in your armor, basically. How are you seeing from a, a national level, like vulnerability become more of a stronger 
piece in conversations. Cause what I'm hearing about like the 1660 pieces is athletes are coming in and sharing a little bit of their vulnerabilities just to say to the younger youth, be like, Hey, it's cool. It's, it's okay to do this. It's actually beneficial for you to do this. And here's the reasons why. Is that something that you see as a, maybe in the early adopter stage right now, and we're getting more and more momentum behind that movement and the impact of that, what's that going to create for youth of future generations? Yeah, I think it's genuine and it's human, right? I think I've noticed it more too with just telling my story. Like the more I tell my story, the more I have people tell me about their story and relate to, oh yeah, like I went through something similar or like you just get into deeper conversations <laughs> with people if you in, invite them into your story with some vulnerability. So I know as a kid, and if you're, I got three kids and you're around them and one thing everybody loves about kids is they just say what's on their mind and they're like there's something healthy about that right there's something healthy about letting your emotions come out and now like as an adult you there's a way to handle those emotions and all those feelings but i think we lose the sense of like inviting people into those emotions and into the human feelings that that we all get because we don't want to be judged or we don't want to look bad and for us as professional athletes to tell kids or teach kids that like, hey, that's a powerful tool, not only for yourself and your mental health, but also for other people to see. It will create deeper connections and really give you a more fulfilling life, which is something that I think I've learned really mostly over the last three or four years, which is crazy to, to think at my age that I'm just starting to understand that and dig into that and just pushes me more to be like, okay, yeah, like we need to start showing kids that this is a way to have impact on the people around you and really bring people into to your life. That's awesome. And I want to take a second, shed some light on Brandy for a second. You mentioned her earlier and off the podcast, you said she is the brains behind a lot of it and has been very successful in helping you guys get this off the ground. What kind of role does she play on the back end of, of the program? What made you decide that you wanted to work with your spouse or significant other inside a charity or organization and to share a little bit of love for her and the building of this? Because I know you're the face and the kind of the brainchild of it, but I know she's done a lot of work to get this off the ground. Yeah. And it's been great because she's definitely like type A, very organized, very detailed where I'm detailed, but I guess I would say I'm more the visionary and ideas and yeah. the practical aspect of being in, in that hockey environment on a day-to-day -day basis. But no, and she's pushed everything forward from a business standpoint. She has really drove the bus with our executive director, Meredith Wolf. They work very well together to ensure that everything is where it needs to be from registrations to all the little details on the website and literally the curriculum she's in on all the curriculum calls with, with our executive director and with our professionals that we have that are creating it to make sure that it's up to the standards that, that we expect for our program. So she's been such a huge part of pushing this forward to where it is today. Steve's going to come up here with a few more questions, but the last one I have to ask in the giving section is just curious. So like, how can the public get involved in this? Obviously, this is something that, that you and your team are putting together. You're yeah. going to be supporting youth teams. How is the charitable component of it actually going to come out and what is it going to look like? Yeah. So local, we're looking for partnerships, people that want to bring the program to their local cities. And in order to do that, we need funding. We need funding for tech. We need funding for programming. We'd like to bring on more staff in order to make this as, as big as it can be. Our goal is to, because it's a digital program, it, we'll be able to scale it at a pretty 
strong pace, but we also need to be able to service everybody involved. So I think one of the interesting things is that I've learned throughout this has been like, hey, how do we entice people locally to want to bring this and create partnerships, whether it's with NHL teams or different corporate partners to bring this to places that either normally wouldn't have the opportunity to take part in a program like this or smaller cities that just don't have the resources. So the idea to make it free for everybody is something that I'm striving to do. But in order to do that, you need the corporate partnerships. You need people who are believe in the power of what we're trying to do to bring it to wherever these kids are. One of the things that we love inside our giving is we just know with Kids Sport Victoria, for every $300 we donate, we help one kid with sport. So a lot of the missions we do are like, instead of asking for money, we ask, hey, we're going to go save or we're going to go put three kids through sport, et cetera. What's that like with 1616 when somebody donates? How much is it to put a team through sports or an individual or that kind of stuff? Yeah. And the stage we're at right now, I think we're still figuring all that stuff out. I would say it's anywhere between a thousand or $2,000 to put a team through the program, which works out between 50 to a hundred dollars a player, which I think for it's 16 weeks of content. So 16 videos, and I guess I can go through the cadence a little bit, but every week the player gets a video, four to six minute video on the concept of the week. And they are, the video is there to enact a, an emotion or feeling about what's going on and then get them to relate to how that relates to them in their life. And then we have basically an iPhone style video from an NHL player or a professional women's player that challenges them to go live out that concept that week in their lives. And then there's also content for the parents. So, okay, this is, it's, this is why this concept is important for your kid and how you can support it. And then also the same thing for the coaches and why this is. There's content in there for parents and coaches as well. Yeah. So the idea of we want to impact the entire environment. And we also know that we could teach the kids one thing, but if their parents and coach aren't on board with the concepts we're teaching them and they can't support what we're teaching, it's not as powerful. So it's really there to be a resource of, uh, again, here's a few different ways you could go about this. Uh, obviously every, every parent and, and coach has a different style, but we're, we've tapped into some of the best professionals out there on this, these different subjects. So, hey, here's a resource and here's a little bit of intro if it can help you make this experience better for yourself and for your kid. love the goals that you have with that, especially just being able to make it available for everyone. And something I got to very privileged to experience when I was about 10 or 11 years old, I was in a hockey camp and at the end of the day, they all made us do an intense wall set, but then the reward was Moats, Ronnie Tugnut, and my idol at the time, Joe Sackick, all showed up and we got to spend an afternoon together. And we got to ask them about hockey. We got to ask them about life. We got to play a little game of shinny together. And just having that FaceTime of, you know, the people that we look up to the most have like specific conversation around what we're going through at the time. There'd be life skills, practical skills on ice, et cetera, et cetera. There was, so, it was such a profound moment for all of us on the team that we'll remember for the rest of our lives. And the experience that kids and parents are going to get out of this type of program, where it's looking up to you or Patty Kane or whoever, insert idol here, right? That's going to have a, such a profound impact on their life as well. If you were to shrink all of that issue down into one particular impact that you want to have on youth or youth in sport, what do you think that would be? Well, yeah, and I think it's something that I, I, I ground myself in like the moments 
when this isn't going smoothly or like when it seems like such a big hill to to climb. But if you can change the trajectory of even one kid's life with this program, I'm like, it's worth it, right? As a kid, if you were 10% more confident, how would that have changed the trajectory of your life? And that could come in a moment where you're watching a video about Patrick Kane or about Anders Lee or a few of the people that we have in our program that are such a great example of how to build those different concepts. That's a powerful thing for me to like sit in because I'm like, okay, like that's worth it. A kid that has a tough time even getting to the rink every day. Like if he can have that moment at the rink with this program to me, and that inspires him to go for her to go on and do great things or have an impact on other people's lives. Mm-hmm. Like what is the multiplication of that over the course of 10, 20, 30 years, right? And it's an interesting thing because there's not really instant gratification with what we're doing, right? Like you're getting to kids at 10 years old and you might not see the results of that until they're 18 or 20 or 25. Like you don't know, but to see, to be able to look back after all this done and since see what these kids, see the experience they're having in the immediate, which we've had with kids just being like, Hey, I was going to quit hockey. And now I, I love going to the rink every day. That's the short term that, that inspires me. But the long term of like how these kids can be great humans for the communities that they're in and leaders within their communities. That could be such a powerful tool, not only for hockey, but just for our society in general. And I absolutely love that. I love the mission that you're on. I can honestly say that sports have saved my life multiple different times. And I think there's just so much impact that that could deliver to kids and the confidence aspect being a major key. So I love that's a, a primary focus, but Transitioning here a little bit, just before we get into our rapid fire giving round, can you tell our listeners and ourselves to a story that you can think of, perhaps maybe your favorite story of giving or your share a favorite experience of giving that still kind of gives you goosebumps stay in the shivers? Oh, yeah, I've been fortunate enough to... I was going to say, there's probably too many to choose from with everything that you've been a part of in your, your career. Yeah, I guess the one moment I was just talking about, we had a, a letter from a mom saying that her son didn't want to play hockey this year and you know she convinced them to play and then went through our pilot program and now he jumps out of bed in the morning excited to go to hockey that's one that like pushes me to keep going with this i think i had the opportunity to work with a nonprofit called the dream factory in winnipeg and i remember meeting this this happy little kid that was going through cancer and like one of the nice things about winnipeg or even canada in general i'd played in raleigh north carolina and atlanta and like you walk into a hospital and those four kids are like, I have no clue who you are. Besides the fact that you play for a professional hockey team that we have here. <laughs> the impact in Canadian cities or some U.S. cities where they know you're the captain of the Winnipeg Jets and like their face lights up and they can't speak. And you hear from their parents after that they couldn't stop talking about that moment. I think those are the things I remember is like just the interactions with people of you can see the excitement in their face. and the impact that you're having on them in real time in such a cool moment. That's awesome. Very special moments and I'm sure things that are ingrained in your memory forever. I would love to jump into the giving round now. So there's going to be some rapid fire questions about giving. You ready? I'm ready. Brag on one charity that you like that isn't 1616. Ooh, I, so I'm a big special Olympics guy. My uncle had Down syndrome. We had, we fostered two foster brothers that were mentally and physically disabled and just love what they do, the outlet that they've provided 
And yeah, it's just it's some, it's a charity that I've been involved with since I was young and throughout my professional career as well. And it's something I love to do. What gets you more excited? Donated a massive check to that charity or charity of your choice or spending a week physically helping others? <laughs> That's a tough one to choose right now because that million dollars could have a, a massive impact on so many people. I think like being there in the moment and connecting with people ultimately probably fills me up the most, I would say. Nice. Yeah, it's a very tricky question for sure. Yeah. Who inspires you with their giving? Oh, it's a good question. My, my mom does. I think it's, it's really from a standpoint of her time. Yeah, yeah she does. She, I and mean, I think like I've gotten that, that bug from her. She was always someone who was the first to, to lend a hand with anybody and it's a different form of giving. And I think that's the best part about giving really. It's, it's, it could be so min- minute to you and have such a massive impact on someone else. And I think I, when I think back, I, I learned that from her. Beautiful. Do you think that entrepreneurs or startups should include a give back component in their business from day one or wait till they've seen some success and have some money in the bank? Yeah. I think it helps to have that as part of your vision. Again, for me, uh, I think I've felt the power of the purpose of being able to give and serve people in general. And I think if you're, if you start anything from that place, Again, in, in those moments where things are not going well or you're struggling, like that's what keeps you going. It's so I think to have that from the start is a powerful tool for you to have. This isn't part of our giving room, but sidebar question. Is that something that gets talked about fairly often as new athletes coming up into this space is adding giving components or attaching charities to their name as they're signing these big contracts and getting involved? Or is that something that's pretty hush-hush throughout the industry? No, I think it's an area we can get better at. I think it's up to the individual athlete and most of it's based on how you grew up or, or different maybe initiatives that your family was involved with when you were growing up. So I think it's, that's a very personal thing. Something that I wished I had learned a more, or I guess not learned more, but I had more intention with as a younger person. I think it's kind of stage your life too, where you're at, you're a little more selfish and driven by your personal goals and personal needs, but I think it's such a great outlet to have. And selfishly, you get so much more from that than you think. And you realize at a young age, definitely an area where I wish that I had a little more intention as a younger hockey player, instead of just, you know, I think I was always gracious with my time and and effort and, and donating, but I think you can be a little more thoughtful with it at times. Very cool. What do you think of when you hear go big to give big? I think whether that's that big part is the platform or money. I think the more impact, like the more money you have, and obviously the bigger platform you have, the more impact you can have. And I think that's just such a practical way of looking at it. How many people do you want to impact? Because it's not cheap to <laughs> charitables giving and these organizations and programs as I'm learning day by day are not cheap. And being able to have the the funds and the, like I said, the platform to, to make that impact as, as big as possible is such a great resource. Awesome. In one word, describe the emotion you feel when you give. Oh, it's like a warm and tingly feel. Like it's just a feel like soul, I guess. Like it's like someone just gives you like a big hug. It might be the best way to, to describe it. But that's when I sit and think about those moments, that's probably what I, uh, the feeling that I think about. Uh, the warm and answer. Yeah, the warm and fuzzy teddy bear. I love that. Yeah. The final question we have, the age-old question that everyone's heard before and would love to hear your answer on it is, 
Do you believe that money can buy you happiness? No. How come? Because ultimately, I think human to human connection is what we're built for and what fills us up the most. Then I think that is, you see that again, that brings me back to like my answer, would you rather give a million bucks or serve someone yourself? And I think everybody has the ability to impact people with through connection. And in the world that we live in, it's easy to get pulled away from that. But I think true happiness comes from the connection and with the people around you. I wouldn't be right for me not to ask a bonus question here. Yeah. <laughs> Two-time Stanley Cup champ. We're recording this two weeks before preseason starts. Who has the best odds or who's your money on for winning the 22-23 season and lifting that Lord Stanley? It's a good question. I'm going to put my money... So it might be a little biased in this, but like I, um, Carolina Hurricanes, I think would be my, my, my pick this year. Big, big Rod Brynmore fan <laughs> and would love to, to see him get it done again as a coach. Super cool, man. I'm sure we could sit here for another few hours and chat hockey and giving back and business. And we're just so grateful for your time to come in, share about your experience, inspiring us to go bigger with our dreams and goals so that we can give bigger with our profits. And I just want to give you a few minutes to just plug 1616 one last time or how people can get involved with you or anyone that's listening can absorb some more of your content. Yeah, no, that's great. We're on social media. It's at 16, so 1616LF. We are, our website is 1616.org or .ca, either one. Right now we are registering teams for our, we're calling our beta season. So we're going to, we're going to do a hundred teams this year, give or take, and try to get into to communities that need it, but also teams that want to see this program and the impact it has. So that's where we're at right now. From a corporate side, like I said, we're looking for partnerships to bring us to different local communities and then just big donors that see the impact. And I think you guys are involved with entrepreneur, entrepreneurs and we need people with entrepreneurial minds that see the long-term plan here and the impact it could have on thousands and thousands of kids. That's absolutely awesome, man. Aligns so much with us and we're so proud to be supporters. And I'm sure we'll be doing a lot of stuff in the future together because we just fully believe in the mission that you're creating and wanted to get that out to the masses. So thank you again for coming on, dude. And we really appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks guys. It was awesome. So appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Thank you for listening to the show. If you know someone who's an example of Go Big to Get Big, we would love if you could share this with them. We want to get our message out to as many listeners as we can. And it all starts by having people like you share it with your friends. Also, if you enjoyed the show, take 30 seconds and give us a five-star review. It's a simple act of giving that is free for you, helps us grow our message, and in return, allows others to find us sooner. And until the next episode, remember, always go bigger with your dreams and goals so you can give bigger with your profit.